I think there you we go. are live. Okay, yay. Well, welcome to Big Girl Pants Podcast. It's so exciting to have you here. I'm yeah. so glad to be here. This is Dr. Dawn, and Dr. Dawn came highly recommended from Mo, Mo Brosette. Yep. yep. Last name. Yep. Um, and we had Mo on not that long ago, and we talked about like what Mo does, and right. um, we got a little bit off subject, but we started talking about um, like the emotional side effects of concussions and traumatic brain injury and CTE and stuff like that. So um, ironically, Dr. Dawn, not ironically, I'm sorry, but um, to create a connection, um, Dr. Dawn, your son has a traumatic brain injury. Correct. He actually had three of them. Wow. Three of them. Yeah. So, um, and I actually, one of my ex-boyfriends was hit by a drunk driver and uh, was not wearing his seatbelt and was launched from his Jeep. Wow. And he got a TBI um, that caused, you know, permanent lifelong damage. And he basically had to relearn how to adult. He had to relearn how to use a restroom, how to take a shower, how to read, how to write. Wow. Uh, he went through puberty again. Um, so all of those things, like I, I would love to talk about you, um, kind of where you started, what your story is. Um, I want you to talk about the books that you've written and a little bit more about you. Excellent. Yeah. So let's start with, uh, like a quick bio, just as an introduction to the listeners, kind of what you do now, and then we'll backtrack and figure out how did you get there? Okay. Excellent. Well, we started the Inspired Performance Institute. Institute, and it was developed because of um, the trauma that my wife and daughter experienced. And I tell the story that I grew up in this idyllic childhood. I didn't know it was that, that good. I just assumed everybody had amazing parents like mine. My parents never argued. My brother and sister and I can't ever remember them raising their voice. Wow. So my nervous system was constantly being regulated as a child. And so I always felt safe. And even if things happened at school or with my friends, I'm coming home to this nurturing environment and instantly felt that safety. And that was really powerful. And I just assumed everybody was living like that. And then when I met my wife, we were very young. I was only 18 when I met her. Um, and I had a chance to play professional hockey in Sweden. So when we talk about traumatic brain injury, I had six concussions, but I seemed to be okay, I think. So... Um, <laughs> But anyway, um, we got married very young, but I got very ingrained into her family very quickly. And I realized that she was not living in the world that I lived in. She had a very disturbed father, a very angry man, um, <clears throat> created tremendous trauma. He ruled the house with fear. And I couldn't understand why my wife's fear never went away after she married me. So she was still living in this fear. And I thought, well, this should be going away because she's living in the same world I grew up in. I was much like my father. I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I was very calm. And yet I could say something like, no, I don't like that. And then she would tear up and start to say things like, well, why are you mad at me? She was immediately go, triggered. Those, those words yes. triggered her. Yeah. yeah. And so <clears throat> it didn't make sense to me. So I kept on trying to change the way I would say it choose different words, right? And, you know, I'd get to a point where I'd say, listen, I'm not a robot. I can't not say it this way. This is just who I am. I'm not mad at all. But she would hear. What I didn't realize at the time is that 
children and especially, um, you know, or anybody who is being traumatized like that are highly sensitive to sound. And mm-hmm. so a lot of women, if you talk to, because I love your podcast and what you're doing. So I'm glad to be able to, to share this. What you'll find is a lot of women who have been traumatized are very sensitive to sound. So when I would say, no, I don't like this, she would hear, no, I don't like this. And I would not understand why she was feeling that because I couldn't hear that. So if I had the slightest little change inflection in my voice, because maybe I was frustrated on my way home or something at work that day, I'm not mad, but I changed a little bit. She could hear that like it was booming. Yeah. And, and so that happens quite often. And she so, grew up in a, yeah, I don't want to throw up a story, but she grew up in a house where it was very volatile, right? Like yes. a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming. Throwing, so, punching walls. Wow, chaos. Chaos. Right? Yep. So it's like, and if you find, and this is like, you know, psychology is something that both Shapiro and I are like very interested in. We want to understand why people do the things that they do. But when you grow up in chaos, it's almost like you have to replicate the chaos to make yourself feel normal. So yeah, like, because that is normal. If yeah, you grew up in that, that normal. becomes normal. Right, yes. right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And, and so for her, and, and this is what I started really studying trauma, especially after my daughter, who when she was 14 was diagnosed with Crohn's. And um, they told us she got to change her diet, take out gluten, take out dairy, all these different things. She ended up having four operations where they had to cut out pieces of her intestines. And she really suffered. I mean, really suffered. And my wife researched like crazy, trying to find answers. And then she disclosed to us that when she was between the ages of six and eight, had had some sexual abuse by another girl and her brother in the neighborhood. We were devastated because my wife was a hawk and said, how did this happen? How did I not see it? What did I do? How did I not protect her? And yet it's so sinister. And and it's a pandemic in this country a lot of women who are dealing with you know and men too right but you know when they talk about oh one out of four girls that's nonsense it's a lot more than that wow because um, that seems like a lot one out of four seems like a lot no it's, it's probably way like more. one in two like yes yeah. at least if not even higher so i'm saying maybe up to 75 percent. 75 percent yeah yeah and so that's creating and manifesting itself in their life it has to Right. And so because my daughter was dealing with that and I was adopted, so I was really fortunate. My sister and I were both adopted. My brother was the oldest, a natural child. Um, So my wife said to me, she says, you need to find an answer to this because there's no Crohn's in my side of the family. And Mm -hmm. so the only connection. So my my wife also has an autoimmune issue. She has Hashimoto's, so her thyroid. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of women who have had trauma will have all these autoimmune issues. And so that's all coming. So that really led me to go back at my PhD, study trauma. And we have come up, I learned so much about why these things are happening and what we talk about the triggers, yeah. why it's actually happening. It's a glitch. We can actually fix it. It's amazing. And so, okay. you know, if you that is amazing. It, a lot of it. Like, I totally yeah. believe that too. I 100% do. Oh, 100%. yeah. We're, we're teaching people to live and manage and cope with it. That's tradition. 
traditional therapy. Right. Oh, you have anxiety? Let's teach you how to live with this anxiety, how to manage it, how to cope with it. Let's give you a medication to deal with it. And what I'm saying is we can eliminate it. We can yeah. eliminate PTSD. That's why Mo is so excited, right? Because we're showing that we can actually eliminate it. And here's what's happening is that our subconscious mind, which is our survival brain, yeah. is basically operating 95% of everything. Mm-hmm. It's all below your conscious awareness. So all your digestion, heart rate, all that stuff, you don't have to think about it. It's being taken care of for you. So that part of our mind is similar to the animal mind. Animals are fully present in the moment all the time. Yep. You know, I know Kimberly just got a new dog. So, uh. so, so that puppy is constantly in the moment, yes, right? The yes, only thing yes. happening for him is happening now. Yeah. And so their, their brains are working 100% on a subconscious programmed basis, dealing with whatever is incoming now. 95% of our mind works just like that, fully present in the moment. Now, we have two unique features that no other animal has. The first one is this conscious awareness, this ability to use reason and logic, our intellect. Third eye. Yes. So we can figure out how to do things that we could never do before. We can imagine, we can figure it out, we can create. No animal can do that. Your puppy, Kimberly, cannot think of something he can't do. You can train them to do things, but it's done a little differently. So they don't learn through, um, uh, they learn actually through association and repetition. So, so that first feature that we have is only operating about 5%, that conscious, logical, reasonable mind. And it's brilliant because it's created the world we live in, but it's not in charge of survival. And so the second feature that we have that animals don't have, that your puppy doesn't have, is the ability to store explicit details about events and experiences. Humans store tremendous amount of data about what happened to them. Mm-hmm. And when we have traumatic event experiences, all your senses are heightened, uh, sight, smell, hearing, right? So it's recording it in high definition. Mm -hmm. So what we discovered is the reason why people are responding the way they're responding is because when the mind starts to access memory from five years ago or 10 years ago and starts pulling in this tremendous detail, this data, images that are in high definition, when does it think that's actually happening? Right now. Exactly. Like, yeah. So it has to create a physiological response to call for an action to protect you. It's automatically programmed. If there's a threat, right, then the mind is going to respond to the threat. So the fight, flight, freeze flight mode. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming from accessing old memory. And so your puppy can't do that. If there's a current threat, it's automatically programmed to respond but it can't remember details and events in explicit detail. It will learn, he will learn through association. So the more he sees you, the more there's interaction, he then starts associating you with love and food and survival. Right. But you can feed your puppy the same thing every day because he doesn't remember eating that yesterday. Yesterday, (laughs) which is why like your wife, whenever you were saying those things and that was triggering her immediately, her fight or flight came on because that was her emotional response to protect herself. Yes. The emotions, anytime you have an emotion, your mind is calling for an action. 
Mm. It wants you. So I was thinking that when I said, no, I don't like that, that she was actually responding to those words. She wasn't. What was happening is, is when I said, no, I don't like this, our minds do Google searches. That's the way I describe it. It does yeah. a Google search. It says, what do we know about men whose voices start to raise? What's next? And, yeah. yeah. What, so her Google search would start pulling in all the data about her father yeah. and the times that he hurt her. And so how could she not respond with tears? Yeah. Because her mind is looking at a whole bunch of data. The emotion was coming from the data, not from what I said. But I kept, thinking it was, yeah. Yeah, I kept thinking, yeah. how could I get her? Why am I making this poor woman cry all the time? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I'm a good guy. What I'm I a good guy. guy. <laughs> but, but I feel bad, right? Yeah. But like, why is this happening? I didn't understand that until I really started doing all this research. Does it bother so, you that the 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 uh, the title for this, or that you know, it just gets blanketed under this uh, this uh, guise of um, daddy issues? Like, yeah, yeah I, I mean, hate that term. It like is. the term because it's like men have it too, and maybe it came from their moms. So oh, they get to have yeah. mommy issues, and girls have daddy issues, and hundred percent. And so the whole premise behind our whole program is: there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your mind. Your mind is responding to a whole bunch of data in real time. So one of the things that I'll share is that I worked with a guy called Marco Cicetto, who's a double amputee. He lost both his legs to frostbite um, mm. from a suicide attempt, but he's a marathon runner. And so he now runs on blades. And wow. So, so it's it. amazing. It. Yeah. And so when I met with him, he's from Kenya and he now, uh, he came to see me, this was last year in February of 2019, and he went through our program. After he went through our program, one of the things I said to him in the program is I said, Marco, I said, a zebra cannot feel fear of a lion unless there's a lion present. Mm. Zebras aren't imagining lions, zebras aren't remembering lions, but when a lion shows up, zebra's autonomic nervous system knows exactly what to do. We have that same response. Our problem is, is that we're responding to the old information about lions. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. And so if that's happening, of course, you're going to continue to stress out your body because you're going to be constantly going into this fight, flight, or freeze yeah. response, which is what happened to my wife. So she's constantly producing cortisol, right. even living with me. And so once we clear that up, so the best way to describe this and how what we do is, and you can both do this, um, if I asked you what you ate for dinner last night, can you tell me what you ate for dinner? Yes. Of course. Okay, what did you have? Go ahead, Shapiro. Yeah, well, you could probably tell. Chicken? <laughs> avocado? <laughs> okay. White rice. It's the same thing always. Same thing is every it? Night. Yeah, for her, uh, for her, uh, yes. For me, she's for she's me. a creature of habit. Oh, I am I had, too. I um, eat the same thing too, so I get it. Yeah, there you go. I had uh, chicken and cauliflower. Right. So when I asked you that, you accessed your memory. You looked up and you saw pictures, right, of what you ate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Maybe where you ate it. No animal can do that. Only humans right. do that. So because what you stored last night is what you ate for dinner wasn't threatening or disturbing, it was stored as a fairly low resolution file. Had that been a disturbing, threatening event, that would have gotten recorded differently, very bright yeah. and intense. Mm 
Yeah. So what we do in our program is I take you through a four hour program that gets your mind to update that high resolution information stored from traumatic inf uh, events into the same format as to what you ate for dinner last night. Hmm. Instantly the emotion doesn't come up anymore. It's just information. Nice. And we can do that. So I worked with uh, Rebecca Gregory from the Boston Marathon, who um, she was three feet from the first bomb that went off at yeah. the marathon. When she came to see me, it had been five years after the bombing. She had nightmares every night. She was dealing with post-traumatic stress. And she says, you know, I, I heard that you could clear my PTSD in a four-hour session. She says, it sounds too good to be true, but I'm here because I'm desperate. Right. And so when she started to talk about what happened, she was shaking and crying. And I said to her, I says, Rebecca, do you know why you're shaking and crying right now? And she says, well, because I'm talking about what happened to me. And I said, right. I said, but your mind thinks there's a bomb about to go off. So it's protecting you. It's trying to get you to run five years ago. Wow. That's a glitch. It's an error message. So by the time we were finished, she can now completely talk about it without shaking and crying. Awesome. It's just information now. So, so and you do this through discussion? It's not hypnotherapy or anything like that? Okay. No, we don't go anywhere near as deep as hypnosis. So we get okay. you into an alpha brainwave state. In an alpha, your mind is basically um, operating between 7 and 14 hertz. It's a very, very calm, relaxed state. You're fully aware. It's just conversational. But when you're in that alpha brainwave state, your mind is starting to do restoration. Mm. And so while I have you in that restorative state, we can then start getting your mind. And the great part about this is we don't go into a lot of detail, in fact, very little detail. I've worked with rape victims who don't even have to tell me what happened. So I can do it just visually. I can do it if they want to talk about it. We can do it that way. But I look for about a two to three minute description at the most. And while they're doing that, the way I explain it is when you have a traumatic event, you're in a very high energy beta brainwave state. And beta brainwaves are operating between 15 and 30 hertz. So it's cycling very quick, taking in tremendous amounts of information. When I get you into an alpha brainwave state and we start pulling in the information from beta, the, the mind basically brings it back into a very low energy state and brings it back into an alpha brainwave state, which takes out all that charge or that energy. And then it just re-records it. And so it, it's basically getting the mind. Now, if you go into traditional therapy and we start talking to you about what happened to you, what brainwave state are you in? You're in beta, we're calling it beta memory. So it's very difficult to get the mind to stop processing in that high energy state. But we spend about the first hour and a half to almost two hours doing the education on how our minds work, why, what you're dealing with, what you're dealing with before we even start getting into those events and experiences. So you're in a very calm, relaxed state. By the time we bring in that information, the mind's just like, okay, let's get this done. Let's update this. And the reason why you don't feel an emotion anymore is because there's no call for an action. Does that make sense? It does. So this is uh, when you were speaking earlier about that you can actually help someone cure like a Crohn's or um, what, are, what are those called? Um, autoimmune. Thank you. Autoimmune disorders. Do you, are you a fan of Joe Dispenza? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I love his books. I love his methodology um, theories, whatever yep. you want to call it. 
um, that you can actually self-heal just by believing <laughs> that you can and healing right. mentally. And the reason why it's difficult, and I, and I, just, I never try to say we cure anything. We just got to be careful with that. Yeah. But my daughter hasn't had a Crohn's flare-up since she's gone through the program. Wow. And so what happens is, is that when the mind is in a constant fight or flight response, like my wife was, even mm -hmm. though she was not in an environment that should have been bringing that up. So she's stressing out her system. So it's like putting your foot on the gas and putting your foot on the brake at the same time, trying to go yeah. 30 miles an hour. Right. And so when you're in that kind of a state, the mind and body is not going to get maintenance done. Yeah. If you're being, being chased by a lion, your mind's not thinking about, you know, what do we need to do to digest this food? What do we need to be doing, you know, to maintain homeostasis? It's in a fight or flight response and it's not going to change until something happens. So right. maintenance doesn't get done. And so on when you're in a fight or flight response, I've been healthy all my life. I never get sick. Yeah. And I believe it came from my early childhood on balancing. It's not that things haven't happened to me, you just but I can have to regulate. Deal with it. Yeah, you can I could cope regulate. with it. Yes, okay. So my system would come back into regulation very quickly. So how did this all start? What was your kind of trajectory to get you to where you are today to how obviously we see the reason that inspired it, but where were you before that? What were you doing before all the research and the well, we had, a, we had a foundation to help look for missing children. We did that for 20 years. I've always been an entrepreneur all my life, always okay. looking for. So I've been a lifelong entrepreneur in okay. the financial services business and different businesses. My son and I have an energy business. We do solar and energy upgrades. So I've always done that kind of stuff. So this to me was just like another, okay, there's a problem. Yeah. How do we find a solution to it? Right. You're like, let me go figure that out and yeah, that's that's very cool. And so that's what local? led me to the research. Where I'm are in Orla you? Orlando. Okay. All right. So you were yeah. not local. I think we might have lost April. I'm not 100% uh, sure. I think so. I don't see her up there anymore. Yeah, I think we did. So how did you get connected with April? Through Mo? It was an yes, introduction? Yes, I think Mo, okay. yeah, Mo had actually made the introduction. And so I met Mo through Spartan. Okay. Um, I was speaking at the um, World Championships. Gotcha. And Lake Tahoe. And then Mo and I were on a panel together. And it was just, I loved what he did. He loved what I did. And then it just made the connection. That makes sense. And, uh, yeah. So when somebody comes to you, let's say, um, with traumatic, you know, experiences in their history, what do you do? How do you, like, is this one in, uh, individual from the Boston Marathon? It was a four-hour session and they were able to not cope. What was the word that you used? Um so they're no longer responding to it. So we, we didn't want to teach. And she said she's done all the therapy, you know, and it does help. So I'm not anti-therapy. Sure. But the problem was they weren't fixing it. They were just managing it, you know, how to deal with it. You know, if you're having an episode, you're feeling this stress, then here's what you need to do. Okay. And what I said was, why would we want to manage it when we can eliminate it? Got you. Right. So, but you don't call it cured, even though it sounds to me like, you know. It sounds like a cure. I just have to be careful. Like you can't cure. say cure. Yeah. We've got all kinds. Of, we're getting people who have been having panic attacks for years. Right. Um, it. In fact, I wrote a patent on a, uh, on a device and a process that we can right. actually stop a panic attack. We can notice that a panic attack is coming up to an hour before. 
Wow. And because a lot of people don't realize that panic attacks are actually a buildup. It's a combination of psychological and physical. Stress so, triggers and yeah. Yeah. So the mind is feeling uneasy about something. It's sort of worried about something, but you're not really aware of it. It's below your conscious awareness. But it's right. you know when you have sort of that feeling something's wrong, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. That's what's happening for the mind. It's feeling like, gee, there's something going on. I can't see it. I can't see the lion. But I have a feeling a lion is somewhere around. But it may be looking at old information. Yeah. Right. And so what happens is, even though you're not aware of it, your body is then starting to get prepared. So the mind starts to then increase the heart rate a little bit, which is then going to change the oxygen CO2 levels. And then what that's going to happen is then the body is then going to start burning oxygen from the muscles, right, to get more oxygen in while it's waiting for more oxygen to come into the bloodstream. So what happens is, is that's going to change the pH of the blood. And so now what's happening is, is even though you're not aware of it, your body is sending signals to the brain that we're running low on oxygen. So the brain was already thinking something's wrong. Now it's getting messages that there is something wrong because we're running out of oxygen. Right. And so the threat starts to build and build and build. And that can happen up to an hour before you actually experience a panic attack and you're not aware of it. And then when the mind can't find the threat, yet it keeps getting signals and messages about oxygen and CO2 and pH, right? It then snaps and goes into a panic. And the person experiences it like instantly. And they had no idea it was actually building. So what we do is we're able to detect those oxygen changes, heart rate changes, body temperature changes. And what we teach you through our program is you're going to get an alert. So we're going to send a message to your phone. We're going to send a message to whether it's an Apple watch or whatever it is, you'll get an indication that your body's starting to do something. Then we get, take you through the protocol and it shuts it down. You know what I find so fascinating by all this? You were saying like you grew up in a very, um, your, your family was, I hate to use the word normal. What is normal? We can all define that in our own very way, healthy, right? Healthy, healthy, emotionally healthy. healthy. I grew yes. up in the very same environment. My parents rarely fought. If they did fight, it was a goofy kind of, I hate you, I hate you too, what's for dinner? So it was never, <laughs> you know, it was never serious. Um, that's how I grew up. Therefore, um, throughout, you know, as a very young adult, I handled things very differently than my peer group. I never really lost my cool. I, you know, I've just always been a little bit more, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, emotionally mature than a lot of my peer group. And now I can see that, you know, it's just because I didn't have a very traumatic childhood and I don't have those traditional triggers that a lot of people potentially would have. Well, and Shapiro doesn't have, yeah, Shapiro also doesn't have the same, like, emotional wavelength as most women she she see things she sees things very logically and rationally yeah whereas a lot of women we tend to react emotionally and shapiro doesn't have that gene (laughs) that makes makes perfect by the way because sometimes i want that (laughs) but it makes perfect sense because what's the purpose of an emotion yeah emotion is a call for an action so you haven't experienced a lot of calls for actions throughout right. your lifetime. So right. you can use that reasonable, logical part of your brain a lot more. 
The women who can't is not that there's anything wrong with them, but their mind's doing these constant Google searches about what's what they've experienced in their life. And a whole bunch of data keeps flooding in, which is dysregulating the nervous system. And you're like overwhelmed. overwhelmed. Exactly. So you're like overwhelmed. So you react emotionally and then your emotions then cause like, you know, more adrenaline, more is it, is it, yeah, adrenaline is norepinephrine. So your, your mind is causing more and you're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm freaking out. <laughs> you don't realize that why you're freaking out is not because of what's just happening now. Right. It's all the data flooding in. Right. So and your nervous system gets overstimulated. Yes. And then it's like, even so, let's say we can use me as an example. And this is the beauty of this podcast is that we use my life as an example a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I have plenty of trauma. I have plenty of life experience. I went through, my childhood was chaos a lot. So, which is cool because for those people who are listening, who are maybe not as comfortable as I am with their history, I like to use myself as a case study because, you know, my parents got divorced when I was five. Um, my, my upbringing with my parents before, you know, they got divorced was very tumultuous. So like, a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming. Um, there was some drug use too. So it was just like a lot of stuff. And it's funny that when you were bringing up the emotional response to, you know, uh, basically your hardwire, your, your tapes, right? Cause you have mm-hmm. tapes that continually play yep. in your, in your head. Yep. Um, which my stepmom, who's a licensed counselor helped me to realize that she's like, you know, you have these tapes that always play and that is what your mind refers back to when something happens, like you were saying. Um, But like, I remember my, my very first extremely vivid memory was when my parents got in an argument and I was sitting at, and I was maybe three and a half, maybe four, I'm sitting at an end table right next to the front door and my parents are fighting and my mom leaves and I'm waving goodbye to my mother. And as I'm waving goodbye, she slams the door and my hand gets caught in the door. Right. So my finger, like my finger got caught between the doors and my finger broke. And it was like, you know, this is just very chaotic situation. And I remember that. Mm-hmm. So now, and I, and I know that my partners now, which like my current boyfriend, I've been married before. Um, no, I'm no longer married to him, but my new partner who is very emotionally healthy, had a very normal mm-hmm. upbringing, right? He doesn't understand why I react in the ways that I do. And I know, and listening to you now and listening to my stepmom, I know that it's from trauma. It's from past trauma 100%. that I immediately switch. And, you know, my, my switch is flipped. And then it's just like, I immediately protection. go into protection. <laughs> it's survival. In my fight or flight. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, so one of the things that I found when I did the research was something called the time slice theory. And that was developed by two scientists at the University of Zurich that said, is consciousness streaming? Now, this has been argued since Plato days, but consciousness is not streaming. It feels like it's streaming, but what's actually happening is your subconscious, which is operating 95% of everything, is actually taking in all the information, all the current data, like what we're talking about right now. Your subconscious is hearing it, seeing it, before you're consciously aware of it. And what it does is it takes in all this information. And because your conscious mind is only about 5%, your conscious mind could not handle that amount of detail. So your subconscious processes it and sends pieces or time slices to your consciousness of what's Mm -hmm. relevant to whatever you need. 
But what's happening is there's a 400 millionth of a second gap in between your subconscious seeing it and processing it and you're consciously aware of it. That's where I came up with, it does a Google search in the 400 millionths of a second. So if it's doing this Google search during that 400 millionths of a second, the logical reasonable part of your brain cannot stop the emotional response because it's so overwhelming. So there's a part of your conscious mind, our logical, more advanced brain that should be able to stop that impulse control. It's called the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex. It's sort of the brakes to say, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you go, oh, I'm going to chase that guy down, give him a piece of my mind. That part of the brain is supposed to go, well, hold on, April, like, let's think about this. Maybe it's not a good, maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe didn't see you. That part of the brain is the brakes to be able to stop that impulse. Now, if that person cut you off and that looked disrespectful, that event on its own, you should be able to say, okay, let's think about this. But what happens is, is when that 400 millions of a second Google search is taking place and that event felt disrespectful, your mind then starts looking at all the data about how many times in your life you've been disrespected. <laughs> and now and you take it out on that guy in traffic and you flip him the bird and you're like, yes. you know, you're such a jerk because of something my dad did 20 years ago. Exactly. Like, so how and do you train at all that- yourself to not do that? How do you train yourself to say, oh, he's probably having a bad day? Because we update the mind, all that data that's been stored in high resolution. So like for Rebecca, right? If she tried to talk about the Boston bombing that day, what would her mind be doing? Looking at the bomb, looking at everything, reliving it in real time and high definition. So by the time we were finished, we got her mind to reset that data into the same format as to what she had eaten for dinner last night. And now there's no call for an action because it's just information. So how do you do that? Like, what is your method? Like, how do you just sit down and get them talking about it? I mean, that just doesn't seem like enough. Well, the first, the first, like I said, hour and a half to almost two hours, we're just talking about what we're doing right now, the education. Because when you understand what the problem is, you'll see why I say there's nothing wrong with you. It's impossible for you not to have done what you've done. Yeah. Because if your mind does that. You're so subconscious mind your subconscious mind's doing it and in fact there's nothing wrong with you your brain is working doing what it's supposed to do right exactly right the glitch is coming in because it's responding to old information and trying to protect you that doesn't make any sense what did rebecca need to do about the bomb that went off five years earlier nothing so once her mind got that update then it stays present and if you read all the self-help books they'll tell you stay present be in Mm -hmm. the moment Right now, that's easy. Holy, I can name a whole, whole yes. Of right. Yeah. So that's easier for us because yeah. we haven't had all that trauma. So it's easy for us to stay present. And then we don't understand why is our spouse or why is our partner going off and getting dysregulated? I couldn't understand it because I was saying, I didn't say anything wrong. And then she go, yes, you did. You said this. And I, she, you were getting mad at me. And I go, well, now I'm getting mad because you're accusing me of saying something I didn't say. I couldn't hear what she was hearing. She was so sensitive. So many things make sense. I'm like, that sounds like my life now. now. (laughs) Yes. Doesn't it make sense? And that's why I said there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. All we have to do is get the mind to. And so when we have you in that beta brain and that alpha brainwave state during the session, that's where your mind does its maintenance and does its restoration. 
So we get the process started in alpha and the mind starts updating that data. And then when you go to sleep and go into a theta brainwave state and theta is between four and seven hertz. And that's where the mind continues to process. That's where you dream. Okay. So when you're in theta, you're dreaming, but what your mind's doing is processing. Mm -hmm. So it continues the process. We work on two or three events. That's it. And the mind will update everything else. It's designed to heal. Your body is designed to heal and your mind is designed to heal. What's been interfering with it healing is it's been in a fight or flight threat response constantly. It won't do maintenance while it's in that state. And like the levels of cortisol that are related to those states. I mean, yes. it's just like your body is in like a, a stress mode and it's almost like you can never recover, right. but you also don't know why. You, you don't know? know why. Right. And if you don't know why, you just feel like something wrong with me. Why do I always get so All upset? Why do I, and my wife me. felt like that. She, <laughs> I, people um, would say to me, oh, I'm so emotional. And I'll go. Yeah. So oh, like, how God. do I get my husband to get out of his constant state of defensiveness? So his, <laughs> it's that's obviously triggered by something or some historical event. 100%. So, like I said, the great part about this is, for example, I worked with a lady who had a lot of bad sexual abuse as a child. And so she was, you know, saying, listen, I'm just so emotional, right, about what happened to me. So we took her through the, I took her through the four-hour program. We worked on three separate events that she dealt with. And the great part about it, she didn't have to share one of them with me. I had no idea what the abuse was. I had to do a visual technique with her. She's seen it, but I have no idea what she's seen. But while I've got her in that very restorative brain set, we can get it to reset. Nice. Or I had her do one where I said, I'm going to give you a new language to tell me what happened to you. It's called flowing. And there's only one word in the flowing language, and it's flowing. So instead of saying, I walked into the room, she'd go flowing, 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 every word, I walked, room is flowing. So she has to go into her memory to see it, even to say flowing. I have no idea what's happening, right? But while she's doing that, I'm keeping her present while she's recalling that data. And in that alpha brainwave state where you're super relaxed and super focused, it can take all that information and reprocess it. Wow. So for I'm the sitting lady, here thinking like this takes a little bit of coordination because I'm going to say flowing, 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 but I'm not thinking flowing, flowing, flowing. No, but yeah, you're that's... seeing the event. But the idea is, is, is getting you into that um, memory without the threat. And so when the mind's feeling very safe, it's going to look at that and say, oh, that's not happening. Right. So it then takes it and reprocesses it. So for this lady, we worked on three and she said to me, she said, well, we're going to be here all night because I've got a lot of these. I said, well, we don't need to, we don't need to do any more. Yeah. And she says, well, don't we have to go through each one? And I said, no, your mind's going to get this now. It's like putting in a new yeah. app, right? So it's going we're to process. We're downloading a new app right we're downloading now. a new app. So anyway, she said, okay. I ran into her at a store about a month later just by chance. And she came over to me and she says, I got to share something with you. She said, I was feeling great that day. There's no question we cleared up those three events. I could talk about them, no problem. She says, but to be honest with you, I didn't believe you when you told me that the, my mind would clear not. up everything else. Of course not. No. She says, but I was at Universal Studios with my daughter and husband on the weekend. And she says, and I was riding on the escalator and I was looking over the railing. And my daughter said, mom, look at what you're doing. She goes, I never. Like you would have never done that before. She says, I never told you I had a fear of heights. We never discussed it. And it's gone. 
So whatever event created that fear of heights also got reprocessed. Okay, so with that being said then, and working through those traumatic events, do you work with people that have had all types of issues mm -hmm. like PTSD, TBI, CTE, et cetera, and you help them work through regardless or? Yeah, the TBI and CTE are a little different because those are physical. Right. So that's really a different kind of protocol. And I had mentioned my son had had three head injuries, one in middle uh, elementary school, he fell off the monkey bars. Okay. And he had blood sort of, they said he seemed to be okay. They aspirated the blood out and they said he's fine. And then in middle school, he, uh, they were horsing around. He hit his head against the wall and okay. it was cut, but didn't need stitches and it was bleeding. And the school called and said, he said, he's fine. He was a tough kid. He always would say, I'm fine. I'm fine. Clearly. <laughs> yep. So, but that was on a Wednesday and on Friday, he's playing baseball. They're warming up and he's at shortstop and he breaks out screaming and crying saying, how did I get onto a baseball field? Did somebody hit me with a baseball? Mm -hmm. And he had a 60 second memory for about five hours. He kept asking the same question over and over. What he had was retrograde amnesia. So he hit his head on oh. Wednesday and woke up on a baseball field. That's what it felt like to him. And wow. he had no memory of those three days. That's when we started to see him change. He's a phenomenal athlete, but he stopped interest in baseball and golf and he started to isolate and go for walks and we were like okay well you know maybe just a teenager starting to develop that yeah. and then in high school he got hit by a guy and got knocked out and hit his head against the concrete and that's when we saw him completely change he went yeah. into a very very dark place uh, a lot of anger issues punching walls and they kept saying to me he's got major depression and I said, no, he's got TBI. Yeah. And they, they said, no, 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 we just got to medicate him. We wouldn't medicate him, right? And so we kept trying to figure it out. And finally, we had to get a spec scan done so we could show. He had damage. I could not. Yeah. I couldn't get a neurologist to agree with me. You couldn't believe it. I would just say, just, you know, throw me a bone. Give, get, let's do a spec scan. It was so I, I bet that was so frustrating. It would take months to get to see the neurologist. And then he would. So finally, we just said, we're just going to order our own. Yeah. And we went to see Dr. Harsh up in uh, Louisiana, who's a uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Yeah. So we took him up there. He did a spec scan, did a hyperbaric dive, did another spec scan and said, there you go. You can see the blood flow now starting to come back into that area. So we have our own hyperbaric chamber that we use. And oh, nice. after he went into that chamber, he woke up. Wow. Wow. Um, unbelievable. And he's not a hundred percent. Right. But he is way better. He can communicate. He has interest in doing things. And it's really funny because I used to be able to drive in the car with him and I could listen to the radio. Yeah. Right now you can't because he talks. Right? <laughs> It'll be like, when did that building go in? And when did that happen? How old is he now? He's now 32. Wow. Oh, okay. So, so he's, I'm 33. So he's, yep my age essentially yep so that's so, what happened so he was struggling the hyperbaric definitely helped him and uh, yet he would have just been medicated you know for depression that's what they would have done with him below your mind yes it it that, i feel that same way about like children like you know i have a daughter she's six and you know 
a couple of people she's uh not really struggling in school but there's a lot going on in her life right now like mm -hmm. her dad and i are kind of uh, in, in the midst of a custody battle uh we've moved you know new relationships are forming both with me and her father just a lot of changes so she's not necessarily struggling with school, but she is young for her grade. And a couple of people have mentioned, you know, maybe she has ADD, maybe she has ADHD. And I'm like, okay, but even if she does, like, I'm not going to put her on medication. We're not going to go that route. Like, we're going right. to literally take everything for what it is and look at every situation. If my daughter's reacting emotionally to whatever the case may be, it's not because of a lack of Adderall. Like, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And sometimes you, you need the medications to help in some ways you know yeah. so but my son is on like almost nothing right and so many people when they come to me you know they're just stacked up on medications you know yeah. one of the things we do is i worked with a lady you'll see her testimonial on our site she's 17 years of addiction when she was 16 she started getting into drugs and alcohol and spent 17 years she's 35 now and od'd twice right before she came to see us and when i her down I said Michelle there's nothing wrong with you I said you've been in pain you've had trauma she goes yeah she says how do you know I've had trauma I said I can hear it in your voice wow. I can hear the trauma yeah. and so you can watch her journey I said would you be willing to allow us to video your journey through this and she said absolutely and you just watch her the day after that four-hour session she looks different wow you can see the difference and She's then like released all of that like, all that even stress in her face just in her like, face you'll see her face it looks different and she was on seven medications within three months on zero Wow. She was smoking. She stopped smoking within four days. She hasn't touched anything. She lost her daughter. The courts took her daughter away. Mm. Her husband had OD'd. Um, her boyfriend OD'd. Um, so she was really struggling. Her parents were raising their daughter. She is now getting custody of her daughter back. Yeah, she that's is awesome. Working full time, going back to college. It's been 18 months. She goes, I have zero cravings for drugs she says i had zero after i went through the program so and you feel do you feel like the like the cravings for drugs are all psychological i mean yes. some of them i don't wow. believe it's physical at all what wow. i say what i say is <laughs> mind blown the, yeah, I know. the body cannot because people will say to me well you just can't stop these things because the body will crave it and i go the body can't crave a foreign substance it's impossible if the body would crave something, it would crave water. But we don't have water holics. We don't have water rehab centers. <laughs> yeah, we do you know, have We don't have people holics. diving into pools. April's one. <laughs> oh, you're a water Oh, really? <laughs> but the, the idea is it's the mind. So people say, well, how do you explain that physical pain? And I said, think of it like hunger. You know, when you get hungry, right, you feel that sensation of hunger. If you don't eat right away, what's going to happen? The sensation is going to get stronger, Right. Because what is the mind trying to get you to do? It's calling for an action. Right. It wants you to drink or eat or whatever. Yeah. So that's what the physical sensation, this is my opinion. I believe the physical uh, withdrawals that people are experiencing is the mind putting pressure on you to go get it. Because yeah. I've talked to drug addicts who will tell me that they'll call their dealer and the withdrawal will go away because the dealer's on the way. Yeah. Wow. That's not coming from the body. That's coming no, right. from the mind. Yeah. That's coming from your mind because your mind now knows that you're I'm going it. to get it. So it's like, okay, we're good yep. for now. We're going to get that. 
So the mind before was taking your arm and pinning it up your back and you're saying, oh, my arm's craving drugs. No, your arm's hurting because your mind is creating the pain until you go get it because it's afraid it will die without it. It's another glitch. You've trained your mind to believe the heroin or cocaine or alcohol, whatever it is that you've been using is important. (laughs) I'm like sugar addiction, anything, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your mind likes, like you just just saying that you eat the same things all the time i do as well we created a code mm-hmm. i believe addiction is a code that got built if right. you repeat something we have two memory systems we have the explicit memory which is unique to humans all the details right we also have the same memory as an animal which is associative to the memory that we learn through repetition that i believe is a code so if you do something i'm an athlete i play sports if i want to learn a new golf swing right? I can logically know what I'm trying to do, but until I build a code or a pattern, I'm going to have trouble repeating it. Right. Muscle memory. Like you have to create, establish that muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a code. And once the mind gets that code down, it can repeat it. That's what addiction is. Addiction Mm -hmm. is we will die without the cocaine. Another error message. It's not true, but your mind doesn't know it's not true because you trained it. Yeah. Right. It doesn't look at things as good, bad, right, or wrong. It's literal. Your subconscious survival brain is literal. So you can teach it whatever you want. And that's why we can break these habits and codes. And this is what our program does. In the four hours, we get the explicit memory reset. But then we have to work on procedural memory. So you listen to a series of audios for about 30 days, which is then getting your mind to start building new neural pathways, new codes of a new way to do things. And that's, and once you get those two memory systems updated, they're done. So, uh, when did you get your PhD? Um, about seven years ago. Okay. So when, when all of these things were happening with your son, what type of like training or education did you have to know that like he had a brain injury versus like being depressed? It was just really because of all the research and the stuff that we were looking at to try to find answers. And, and so I, awesome. again, I look at things from a entrepreneurial standpoint. Yeah. I was saying they're not doing it right. right. The first reaction when you walk in is just say, well, that medication is not working. Yeah. You're still having the same issues. Well, right. let's try this one or let's try this one. Yeah. No. And like I said, Michelle was on seven medications. And right. even though she was feeling better, she was so afraid to get off the medications. And I couldn't tell her, I'm not a MD. I couldn't right. say, don't take the medications. Right. I said, but tell me what's it doing for you. And right. eventually she just weaned off of all of them and she's on zero now. Yeah, that's But awesome. it's like, you know, you don't have anxiety because your body has a lack of Xanax, you right. know? <laughs> like, you get anxiety be because you don't have the Xanax because you get anxious. Right. I, I, your mind's saying, right. we're in danger here. Yeah. yeah. You trained it that Xanax has something to do with feeling good. Right. right? Well, and the same thing is like, you know, your bo- your, your, you don't have a headache because your body has a lack of Tylenol no, you know right. you have a headache because something else is going on there's another underlying condition but in western medicine in our culture we are very much like band-aids like yes. you know yeah. what fix can we now. put on top right. right what can we fix right now but what can we how can we treat the symptom versus treating yeah. the cause so I had a lady who'd come in who'd been on heroin for a number of years and she came in and sat down with me and she said you know I heard about your program and I told my therapist I was coming in to see you and she says, but he told me I have to be honest with you and be upfront and let you know I have self-destructive behavior. 
And I just smiled at her and I said, <laughs> really, what would make you think you're self-destructive? And she looks at me because she's been hearing this for so long. She says, right. I'm sticking a needle with heroin in my arm. Don't you think that's self-destructive? I said, no, I don't. I says, I think you're trying to feel better. And I bet you when you stick the needle in your arm, you feel better. That's not self-destructive. If you wanted to self-destruct, you could have done that. I said, what you're trying to do is feel better. And you've trained your mind that that needle helps you feel better. It stops the pain that you've been experiencing. And so, of course, your mind's going to do that and keep calling for that action because it believes that the heroin is helping you. You trained it. There's nothing wrong with you, right? That blew her mind. So this isn't exactly along the same lines, but April, do you remember about three or four years ago, three years ago, when I was having like really bad headaches and um, I used to suffer from migraines a long time ago. So I thought, oh, great. Those are back. So I was taking, and I'm very anti-medicine. I mean, I, when my kids were sick, I used to give them echinacea. Like I I don't like medicine. Anyways, I was taking Tylenol every single day, like maximum strength Tylenol. And I go to the neurologist and they did do like a MRI. And I think, right, is that what they do? Um, Only to come to mind, there's nothing wrong with me. And he said, how much, you know, medicine are you taking or how much Tylenol are you taking? He's like, I want you to suffer for five days. I want you to stop taking the medicine because you are training your body or brain rather to crave it and want the medicine. I think your headaches will stop if you stop taking the medicine. I and did, right? Right, yeah. It yes. was hard, it was a tough three days, but um, yeah, as soon as I stopped taking the Tylenol, my headaches went away. You built a code, you built yeah. a code and your mind yeah. was following the code. Right. That's what it's designed to do, right? Wow. To protect you. Yeah. So all you have to do, but that's the hardest part that people don't understand is that if you've trained your mind to do that, Right. So like Michelle, I'll go back to her in four days, she stopped smoking. And she says, you know what? I thought I would never stop smoking. She says, I, I, I was sort of confident maybe one day I could get off the heroin and everything else. So the most surprised she was is that she stopped smoking yeah. more than heroin. Right. Or anything else. Well, because that seems like the innocent drug. Right. That's the one. Well, it's legal. So, if, you know, if, if all I had, if that's right. my only vice, we're doing pretty well. So she probably thought that right. she can hang on to that one and still be OK. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned so the website the earlier, Dr. Dom. What is your uh, website? I want to make sure people have that. Yeah, the website yeah. is inspired with a D, performanceinstitute.com. And, and, like, and the reason we call it performance, this is therapy. Because if we start off with the premise that there's nothing wrong with you, right. what I say is what's interfering with you being able to live your best life? What's interfering yeah. with your best performance? Yeah. And so we have all kinds of, so Marco, the WMPT that I was telling you about, after he went through our program, I said, what happens is, is when the mind stops circulating through all this trauma, it releases more energy because that's taking up energy. It's a program that's running. You will be able to perform better. So Marco went through our program in February, nine days later, ran in a race, a marathon, and he took 15 seconds per mile off his time. Wow. And then, and so he was like, this is really working. And then in the next race he ran in was last year at the Boston Marathon where Rebecca went as well. So he ran in the Boston Marathon and broke the world record. Wow, that's so awesome. So he's now the world record holder for amputees. And then in Chicago Marathon, a couple months later, he broke his own record by another five minutes and got signed by Nike. 
So what happens is, is that when we clear the mind up, all that energy, the cellular energy gets released that's being trapped or being used to process this trauma constantly. And so that's why we call it a performance program. People's businesses get better, uh, athletic performances. I worked with Rob Killian. Uh, I was talking about the Spartan World Championships. I yeah, went out yeah, there. Yeah. I worked with him, and he hadn't um, won in three years, and he was in the World Championships. And he's already a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, right? So yeah. I didn't make him an athlete. But I worked with him on Friday. He ran in the World Championships on Sunday and won. He beat the guy that was they figured was going to win by about a minute and a half. So knowing that you work with athletes, do you know who David Goggins is? Mm -hmm. Yep. So what do you think of like his mindset and the way that he lives his life? Because he is like brutally honest with himself, but he's also like, you know, achieved feats that that are like subhuman like people the have mental strength is beyond right. anything that, the mental yeah. yeah the mental strength is insane yeah because that's coming from all his cellular energy is available and so if you've had a lot of trauma in your life your mind is constantly filtering through that that's draining energy so if you take an athlete who is a better athlete than another guy but this other guy has no trauma right? He can beat the better athlete if the athlete who is a better physical specimen is still dealing with trauma. Wow, that's so incredible. And so there's, there's the, the cells go into a cell danger response, which is what I said happened to my daughter. For my daughter, the cellular response for her is inflammation. That's what happens when we get stressed. So her area and her intestinal area became stressed. That's where the trauma showed up for her. And so that's why so many have, who've gone through trauma have IBS, Crohn's, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so when the cells go into that cell danger response, it's a protective mode. And what's actually happening is the cells become enlarged. And the purpose of that is to protect anything from penetrating the cell. It's a protection, right? And the idea is, is that when the danger passes, right, then the inflammation will go down and the immune system will come in and clean up. But for my daughter is the cell state in that cell danger response in mm. that inflamed state because she was never out of danger. Her mind kept repeating the trauma. So it stayed in the cell danger response. As soon as we got that trauma resolved, right? She hasn't had a Crohn's flare up. Wow. And so she That's had, it's amazing. Yeah. Someone had Crohn's. Yeah. And so yeah. it could be coming from, um, you know, physical, but I believe a lot of times it's coming from emotional. And so, <sighs> so for my daughter, she had a cyst formed on her ovary and the doctor went, this is a few years ago, the doctor went in and operated and he comes in after the operation and he says, your chart says you have Crohn's. And she says, yeah, I have Crohn's. He says, but I operated, there's no Crohn's. And she says, no, I haven't had a Crohn's flare up in a while. And he goes, but you're not on any medication for Crohn's. And she says, no, I haven't taken any medication either. He says, well, I hate to tell you this. You've never had Crohn's. Whoa. Goes, I've had four operations. I've had Crohn's. And he yeah. says, well, Crohn's doesn't go away. It's either active or you're on medication to keep it inactive. Right. He says, because you don't, it's not active and you're not on medication, you've never had it. You're like, well, I did. It's true. So I, so I explained to him, I said, I believe that that inflammation 
in her intestinal area was caused by the stress and the trauma. And then when we got that resolved that she was no longer being hurt, that was over. This right? is crazy. The, the you you know that you are big pharma's like nightmare. nightmare you are yes. Yes. big pharma's worst nightmare. God, yeah. and I applaud you. Like I, this is exciting. Well, that's why I was so excited to talk to, uh, to you guys because you're dealing with so many women who I'll guarantee are happy having these same kinds of issues. Uh, and that's I, like, I can and think I, of, I really I can think hate of twenty right now. Right. I know, and I really hate to do this, but we do have another podcast after this. But what? Yeah, <laughs> I, would like, I know. I would like, though, Doctor Don. Honestly, I mean, free promotion for you. Like, I would love it if you could come on, like maybe once every two months or something sure. like that. And I also, I want to for the people who are listening and watching, I want everybody to hear your website again and i i personally want to go through your program because i want to see what i can do for myself and then i would be totally cool with coming back on and discussing my situation and my, my test case and everything that i went through Beautiful. so that we could talk we could talk for people who need to go through this because i know for me with my traumatic background everything with like my family and, you know, I, I uh, placed a baby for adoption. So like all of that trauma and those tapes and everything's going on with my ex-husband and all that stuff. I know that this program would be very beneficial for me because I, I have emotional responses almost daily. Like, right. and it's really hard for me to understand why I have those because I got to get to the root of the problem, you know? Yep. Your mind is calling for an action. It's not okay with what happened to you. And it's trying to get you to fix it. But what yeah. we get your mind to do is understand there's nothing to fix. It's over. Right. 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 And once your mind says, oh, we don't have to worry. We don't have to stop that person from hurting me 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. I don't need right. to do anything about that. Oh, thank right. goodness. Now you can stay present and look for the, that doesn't mean that it's not lying. going to continue to show up in your life. Right. But now you have the energy, right, to be able to deal with the lion that's happening now without all the information about lions coming in from before. That's where the dysregulation in your nervous system would come in. And then that's going to show up somewhere. I literally, there is a reason why everything happens. And this podcast happened for a 1,000% reason. And <laughs> yep. I am so excited. And thank you so much yeah. for coming. I, I mean, what you're doing is absolutely life-altering. Life is. We need, we need a thousand more dr don's out there displaced all across the country and world yes. um don't tell big pharma they'll be very upset i know yeah can you well, that's also why find I... the fountain of youth because you're not allowed oh, to die that would like be we're nice. gonna need you to stay around for another 500 years <laughs> the, the, great part, the great part about this is when i develop the program obviously i do one-on-ones but yeah, i realize yeah. that i'm not i can't teach people to do necessarily what i do it's very difficult because it's a yeah. lot of language and pacing and everything so we have it online so I developed the same program online that you can go through and it's really tremendously effective with just a lady who's just doing a testimony who had panic attacks for years she went through our online program gone no more panic attacks and and that's See, not and even like dealing one-on-one -on -one with me right and i feel like this would be so beneficial for people like my mother who's adopted and has some trauma around that and there's just like so many people that i know would benefit from your program. Oh my yes. gosh, I'm thinking of people just like eating disorders and things like that. I mean, hey man, I got I got all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well, good. We, so I think I think we have there's an offer even on the um, 
that was online. I think that you guys were going to post up or something. So it was a discount if anybody wants to do the online program or do the one-on-ones with me. Perfect. So that could be a Perfect. good start. But let's definitely get you through so that you can start showing people, right? And that's the greatest testimonial. So I've done that. 100%. James Wedmore, do you know James Wedmore? No. He yeah. uh, does the same kind of thing. He, he's got a huge following. Um, he asked me to come out and speak. I did a podcast with him. It went really well, like we did here. Then he asked me to come out and speak to his inner circle, which was about 45 people. people so I came out and I did the whole four hours for all of them. Wow. And then wow. he said, my wife has to come and see you. He flew yeah, his wife in. Everybody. Yeah. And then everybody, after, everybody. <laughs> and then after we did the, the session for his wife, then we did another podcast with all three of us. And he said, and he talked about what he saw different in her. And she talked about how it changed her life. It's incredible. Yeah. I can't wait. And I, I, I hate wait to conclude. I, I know. So I know you've got This has been I, great though. That's yes, why I was excited to come and see you guys. Cause well, we'll be reaching back out because we want to get you back on the calendar. We're not done talking here. We just kind of scratched the surface. So um, but in honor of our other guest next time. Guest. Um, yeah, and I will, I'll make sure to reach out to Jess and we'll yes. get another appointment on the calendar. And then I will ask her for details around working with you one-on-one. -on -one. And then let's maybe schedule, you know, maybe we'll schedule out for another month, like next month or, you know, maybe December, depending on what the calendar looks like. But right. thank you. Thank you so, so, so much. So, much. Oh, so informational, life-altering stuff here. We really appreciate it. We will, um, for everybody that's listening, when we post this, uh, we'll make sure the website and all of his information is there so that you can go grab all that. Thanks so much. We really appreciate the time yeah, so thank much. Thank you so you. much, Dr. Don. I appreciate Dawn. it. It was Have so nice one. meeting you. You too.